0: Everybody done? Good. Did y'all get some sleep? No. Man, I did. I took like multiple naps. <laughs> y'all are good in yellow. So, hey, um, I wanted to end camp this way as I was getting ready and preparing. I was really asking God, hey, how do you want to end this out? And I try to always uh, end with like encouragement or some kind of challenge to you guys. But it always ends in encouragement because uh, I'm an encourager type of person I like to encourage. So um he put on my heart to, to, to give my testimony. And what I want to do is I want to give you my testimony mainly about how um Scripture really changed my life. And I want to walk you through that. So most of you have been through... A lot of you have been through a camp. In fact, we have eight camps, and a lot of you have been through that. And at those times, I've been giving you moments about different things in my life, sharing my story with you as I've been sharing Scripture. But I don't feel like we've had that moment where I could just show you from the beginning to the end, and I want to do that real quickly. And then I want to take you to some Scripture, and I want to show you in my own life how God speaks to me in Scripture and what that kind of looks like, all right? And before we do that, I just want to have a word of prayer and get us started, get our heart set to hear what God is wanting you to hear today. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, As difficult as it is, as hard as my heart is racing, there's great joy. My heart is so filled to share you with my church family. And I pray that you would just, whatever words are spoke, that they would be seeds that are planted in fertile hearts today that would draw them closer to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Alright, so um, a lot of this that I've been telling you about throughout the years, I'm going to kind of just walk us through that real quickly. And really, my life could be told in these two Bibles. Now, this particular Bible... It was given to me from my grandmother, and I, y'all been camped camp before, and I've talked about this. When I was 24, she gave me this Bible. My grandfather was a Baptist preacher. He was a preacher for almost 50 years. And this is the Bible he taught from. And he taught a lot differently. He yelled and screamed, and back in the days, that's kind of how they did at my church. And his message was always about needing a Savior. And Brandon talked about that, that we need a Savior and we need a Lord, Right. And my grandfather, every Sunday, he talked about the need for a Savior. So this is the Bible he talked to. Shortly after that, I had this other Bible that I got. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about that. But before we do, I kind of want to share some of my childhood with you so you can kind of see some things that shaped my heart because those things that shaped my heart was how I projected those things onto God and how He thought about me. So I've shared some of those things with you. And so um, one thing I want you to know, some of the things I'm going to talk about, my mom and dad, I want you to know that we have a great relationship with each other. We all love God. We get to share God with one another. But like everybody, we have some really low moments in our life, and we have some really good moments. And my parents had some really rough moments, and those things reflected onto me. So um, my mom, when she was young, I found that later as we got to know each other and open God's word and start sharing that relationship with each other and God. She shared some really hurtful things with me, but my mom was always angry and I could do nothing right and in her anger, she was really quick to say really mean things to me and then she was really physically mean with me. And so this message that I got from my mom was was that I was bad. And if she just kept punishing me and yelling at me, this badness would get out of me and I would be good. And so this is kind of the thing that got stuck to my heart. My dad and mom, not too far along, they divorced. And so I didn't really see my dad. So the message that my dad gave me was, well, he didn't want me. He didn't want to stick around. So I felt abandoned. So I got these two things going on in my heart growing up. And so... As I got older, around 15, Jesus started speaking to me and telling me, hey, I needed a Savior. And I remember the summer beginning of my, I was 15, and I just felt Jesus talking to me all the time, telling me about himself. And I could never really ask him to be my Savior because I kept thinking, well, I see how other people know Jesus and how how they look and how they act. But I know there's still a lot of bad things. I mean, there's a lot of bad things I still want to do. So how can I accept that and then live like that? I felt like I couldn't live like that, that I would be being dishonest. But that Jesus, he just kept talking to me. And by the end of the summer, I accepted him as my Savior. Well, then something really kind of crappy happened. My mom decided to move to Monans. It's way out. It's nothing but desert and sand. And I'd never been in that kind of environment. Now, here's what you don't know about me. I had never been in the same school for more than one year. We moved all the time. So in this part of feeling like I'm a bad person and that my dad doesn't want me, I never established any friendships because I felt like, you know, we're just going to move. So I never really developed any friends. So... What happened is I developed this really great loneliness in me. I just wanted to have somebody stable in my life. So we moved to Monahan's, and I'm 15, and I had this great thing happen. Jesus is my Savior. But there's nobody in my life to just show me, disciple me, to show me in God's Word hey, you need to be in God's Word. This is how God speaks to us, this is how God tells us about Himself. And so. I lived in this trailer way out far out of town, and I was a freshman in high school. So I rode this 10-speed bike. It's about four or five miles out of the town, and I'd go to school early in the morning. And I had this old 8-track, and you're going, I don't know what an 8-track is, but some of your parents know what an 8-track is, right? So I would duct tape it to my 10-speed handlebars, and of course I had Van Halen blowing through it, you know, and I'm running this 10-speed, and that's what my routine is. But the one thing great about this place that I hated so much is it was just so isolated. And I felt this, like the land felt like me, lonely. Like there was nothing that wanted, that nobody wanted it. And so over a period of time, not having a Bible, not having somebody tell me about Jesus and how He felt about me, I felt this really pull, just like, go out into the sand dunes and what i would do is i would sneak out at night my mom she had to work two or three jobs and so when i got my sisters down i'd sneak out about midnight one o'clock and then i'd go out into the sand dunes and i would just sit out there and i start talking to god because i said hey you could talk to god and he'll listen to you and so i don't know what that looks like so i went out there and this really cool thing started happening I had never seen the stars, and out there it was just so clear and so bright. And I remember going back there and just going back like every night. Something was drawing me out there, and as I was talking to God, I wanted something desperately from God. And so my prayers were, "Hey, I hear that you can do anything. Nothing's, in, you know, nothing's impossible for you." And what I wanted him to do is, I, I wanted him to be human. I wanted him to come down, be human. He told me and told me that He loves me. That's what I wanted. That's what I wanted to feel. That's what I wanted. And so I'd go out there. For months I would do this. And He never did this. And something really changed to me. I got really angry. And I go, oh, I get it. You want to save the world, but you don't really want to love me. You just want to have selective people you love. And what I was doing is projecting some things from my mom and dad. And that's not how it... That's not true. That's not how he feels about me. So if y'all remember, some of y'all the very first camp, y'all were really little, some of you But I had a treasure chest, right? And I opened it up and I took this big, huge, clot of dirt out, right? It had all these weeds on it. And I talked about, this is what my heart looked like, this big, hard piece of dirt. And nothing would grow there. And so what I did is... I said, okay, you don't want me, God. I don't want you. And my heart just kept getting harder and harder and harder. And in my heart, I decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to go find somebody else to love on. I'm going to find my own person. I'm not going to accept you anymore. And so through a course of events and a couple of years, I ended up back at my grandparents' house that was a preacher and stuff. And they began to nurture some things about God. Here's the thing. I went a long time. Uh, from the time I got saved, I was in church all the time. We went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I, I ended up teaching some classes. I did junior high. I ended up being a youth leader when I got older. I uh, did children's ministry. <clears throat> but I didn't do any of these things because I loved God. What I, What I feared is that if I didn't do these things... That he was going to be punishing me. And so I had no love there. I even got to the point where I always paid my tithe, I paid offering, I gave to missions, all of these things that they had had. There was no joy, in it, there was no place that it was good for me. And so what I found in these times with my grandparents, that I, I met someone. Her name was Sheila, and I'm like, all right, she likes me, I like her, I fall in love. And I'm just going to give all my affection, all my love to her. And then pretty soon we get married. I have a daughter named Ashley, and I give all my affection and all my love to her. And then a couple years later, I have a son named Ryan, and I give all my love and all my affection to these people. And what I was doing is I wanted them to fill this hole, this emptiness, this place that I wanted God to fill with them. And at first, you know what? It kind of felt good. It's like, okay, I kind of feel that being filled, right? But pretty soon I realized I, I needed more. And that's what happens to us. We want more. It doesn't fill up because you know what? We can't fill that hole that's only for God. And so what I did is I ended up driving my wife away. I drove my kids away. And pretty soon there was a point in my life where they were gone. They, they chose not to be in my life. We can't put anything on people like that. It's too huge of a weight. So here I was. That went about twenty two years. So from fifteen till I was forty one, do you know how many times I opened my Bible and did? Hardly any. But there was one verse in there that was uh, really drew my heart. And it was in Psalms one and thirty nine and David's talking about God and how he made him. And he he gives this description that really took me back to the moments when I was out in the sand with him. David says, hey, you know me. You think about me more than the grains of sand. Now, when I, when I read that, I thought about all the sand in the whole earth. I'm thinking, man, he thinks about me constantly. And I, that's what I was hoping for. Maybe Maybe I was wrong. Maybe he really does care about me. And so as I read this... This was my first time in scripture where I felt felt something. I didn't know what it was, but I felt something, and it was God kind of whispering to me, "Hey, I want you to really know about how I feel about you." So I some we go back to I'm forty one, right? Don't I'm back in this lonely place. I'm I'm kind of back in this desert. I have no one. So this is what I do. I have these two Bibles now. The reason I have this Bible, so one is because of my grandmother, and I love my grandmother. She's the her and my grandfather are probably the most intimate people I've had in my life. They gave me the stability in my life, and they gave me the sense of a home. But she wrote an inscription in this, and the only reason I kept it is because of what she wrote in that. And at first she talks about how she feels about me, but most of it's about how she feels about God and what she wants for me. And she's saying, hey, if you'll read this and get to know the God that's in this book, it's amazing. I've been on this incredible journey with him. I don't want you to have that. But here again, I don't have those feelings for God. And so what I did in this time when my wife left me and my kids left me, I started reading this Bible. Now, this is like a teenage version. I couldn't understand this one because it's, it's in these and D's. It's in King James. And it just was complicated. So I started reading this one because it had a little bit different verbiage in it. You know, it's easier to understand so, as I'm going through this, here again, my heart's not right with God. I want something from Him. And I know the rules, and so I think I'm going to play a little game with God. So, I get up every morning, and I read my Bible. As a matter of fact, I make it the first thing. It's like, I even know the rules that, hey, we should give the first fruits to God. So, I'm going to give the first of my morning, and I'm going to read. And I'll read a chapter. I'll read two chapters. And over time, months went by. And... I thought, hey, I'm going to start collecting a bunch of credits. And when I get too many credits, then God has to come give me what I want. what I want is I want Him to bring my wife and my children back to me. That's not how God works. My heart wasn't there. But this really cool thing started happening. As I'm reading, I'm understanding and seeing how God feels about me. Things I didn't, I didn't know at all. I I was in Psalms and it would just people be talking about God and their feelings and stuff. And it was amazing. And as I opened up the Word, my heart was no longer so much concerned about God bringing back the people in my life. I still wanted them. But now I wanted to know more about God. And that's what captivated me. That's what stirred me. And I just kept reading and kept reading. So here today, most of you only know this, key. There's a handful of you that know me before this transformation. And this started when our church started. And I was thankful that as I'm reading God's Word, He brought some people in my life that could help me, disciple me through this. That helped grow me. That helped me see God for who He really is. So there's this thing that people would always say, Hey, you need to read your Bible. But nobody ever explained to me why I didn't read your Bible. And as I read it, it was just a bunch of rules. And so I thought, oh, you're supposed to follow rules, right? We started to follow the rules. It's good. That's not it. No one talked to me about relationship. All that's in the scripture is God trying to have a relationship with us. And I want to walk through some of those things with you today, and show you how Scripture is not not a book. If you just read it and there's no relationship, it's just a textbook. It's not going to change. It's not going to move anything in you. And I want to show you some of those things of how it looks for me when I read and when I say, hey, God spoke to me. That's going to be different for everybody. This is me, and I'm just going to walk you through some things where it was just me and how He spoke to me, so you can see that. I want you to see an example of that. And what I hope is that it'll start encouraging you so as you read and you go, man, I feel something pulling at me. What is that? That you'll keep pursuing that and asking God to show you what that is He's trying to talk to you about. So there's two people in the Bible that I love and I feel really connected to. One is John. I don't know. It's just something about his writing. I feel like if I was around him, we had the same similar personalities and we could really get along. The other is Peter. And I like Peter because he's very passionate, but he's like me in a sense where I just do some really boneheaded things. I just react a lot of times without thinking about what's going to happen. And as passionate as he is, he just does some... Odd things. There's this one part where they're taking Jesus away to be crucified and have a trial and in the zealous he pulls a sword out and he just lops off one of the soldier's ears off and it's like I don't know if he was just a bad shot he didn't know how to use a sword but I'm thinking that's got to be my mistake to just chop somebody's ear off. But Jesus comes, comes up and puts the guy's ear back on he's just kind of imagining just kind of thing goes what are you doing man? <laughs> Why are you trying to chop somebody's ear off? You know? But he does these kind of things, and it, what it does is it makes me think, okay, well, these are people who are human. They're not, they're not like superheroes. They're just real people. So I want to walk you through a few things. And this didn't happen all, all in one time. These are broken over months, several months, but these are how God would speak to me in Scripture. So there's this part where the disciples were walking together, and he asked the disciples, who do you think I am? And they starts to say, hey, I'm a prophet, you know, something, you're Elijah. And they just go on by who they think they are. And then he asks them directly, who do you think I am? And Peter tells him, hey, you're the Messiah, you're the Christ, you're the Son of God. And after this, God says, hey, Peter, I'm going to, because only God would reveal that to you. No human would know that. So God spoke that to you. He revealed that to you. And through that, I'm going to build my church through you. I'm going to use you to start my church. Now, that would be a great honor. I would look at you and go, wow. You're looking around and say, look, this is what's going to happen to me. That would be a really high moment in your life. Well, in Matthew, that's in Matthew 16. and you go to Matthew 26, you see some, a really, what Peter would say, is the lowest point in his life. So there are... Together And Jesus is talking to the disciples and he's telling them things that are going to happen. They're fixing to do. He's going to go down the cross and he's going to be crucified, but then he's going to rise. And so he goes, you know what? When this happens, you guys are just going to leave me. You're going to abandon me. And Peter's like, not me. I am going to stick with you. And he looks at Peter and says, he goes, before this very night, this very night, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter in his brashness says, Nope. Not me, I would die for you. And if we go a little bit farther and you look in Luke, there's a scenario where they take God away or take Jesus away and he's following them to see where they're going to take Jesus. And so as he's going through this crowd, these people start recognizing Peter and they go, Hey, aren't you one of those disciples that follow Jesus? He's like, no, no. A little bit later, he runs into somebody else. goes, yeah, I think you're one of those disciples, right? And he's like, no, he gets a little sterner, right? No, no, you guys don't know what you're talking about. They move on a little farther around, and somebody goes, no, you are. And he gets so brash about it. And he goes, no, he goes, I'm telling you, I'm not one of those disciples. And if I'm lying, may God strike me down. Ooh, I don't think I'd want to say that, right? And in that moment in Luke, it talks about as we are walking through the crowd, Jesus they lock eyes. Have you ever, have you ever been doing something wrong and your parent just catches you and you like nips it and you're like, oh, I'm, I've been caught, right? This is kind of how Peter felt. Except, I don't think these eyes were like, ah, oh, gotcha, or I told you you were going to do this, or a scolding. I think, I think. God, Jesus' heart broke I I don't want you to experience what you're fixing to experience. And you know what it said Peter did? It said he went away and he wept bitterly. And this scene, guys, this this one scene, it there's something that draws me to this scene. And the reason it is, guys, because you know, as you ask Jesus to be your Savior, there's going to be some things in your life that fall off, this sin that falls off, and it's easy not to go back to. But there are some sins we just keep struggling with. And it doesn't matter how hard we try. It seems like we just can't not do those things, right? And everyone has them. And I have one. And I have one that bothers me. I've had it since I was 12 years old. And you know what? It's not as dominant in my life, but it still comes and I still want it. And when I go, with, go and do it, you know, it's like Brandon talked about transgression, right? Transgression is when we know something's wrong... And we go ahead and do it anyway. And this is what really breaks my heart. So there's this thing going on in my heart. And there's really a question that's going on. Because I somehow cannot get past this particular sin. And here's what I want you to know about sin. There are no levels to sin. Do you know if you murder somebody or you tell a small lie, it's equal? Now you go, that can't be possible. That's way more worse than that, right? No. The difference is there's a greater consequence in that sin. If I lie to Bailey and I mess up our relationship, I can come back to Bailey and go, hey, my bad, I screwed up. Can you forgive me for that? She's like, sure, man, you're my friend. High five. Right? And we can work to settle that and fix that. Now, if I murder somebody, I can go back to the family and say, man, I I messed this up. I I took your son or daughter's life. But you know what? I can't bring them back to life. So that's a bigger consequence, right? So there's no difference in sin. So, but we do this thing with sin where it's like, oh yeah, this is worse. This is not as worse. And the reason we want to do that is because we want to feel good about whatever sin it is we're doing, you know. So I'm going back to the sin. I'm struggling. And the question I want to know is, because Scripture tells me, how do I know that I love God? In John 15, john fourteen fifteen it says if you love me you will obey my commandments we talked about that at camp obedience what does it represent it, it represents our love for god and when we obey god it shows that we love him so if i still have this trouble with this one sin or other str- sins i struggle with does that mean i i don't really love god and so this is a question that I want to ask God, but I don't want to ask because I don't want to know the answer of this, this truth, you know. I don't want to look at the realization of it. So, what Jesus does is I, I'm reading Scripture and He takes me through this passage. Is, there's another scene with Peter where Mary and Martha, they go to the grave where Jesus was buried. And he's already been crucified. He's been in the tomb and He's risen. And Mary Magdalene comes back and tells the disciples, hey... Jesus isn't there. He's gone. He's... And so, Scripture tells us that John and Peter, they have a foot race. And they're a high talent to go see this. And of course, in John's version, he's telling like, Smoke Peter. I was there first. You know, he's making this brash comment about how he beat Peter. But here's what happened. When John comes up to the grave, he doesn't go in to look inside of it because there's a there's, a, there's something going on that he can't do that because it, he'll be unceremonial clean. He can't walk into a grave. But you know what Peter does? He goes straight into it. And why do you think he wants to do that? He wants to see Jesus. So I want us to remember this one moment because we're going to come back to it, okay? So we're going to fast forward a little farther. We're going to come to this scene and this is where we're going to park today. We're going to be really quick. I know I've taken a long time. This is what I want you to see. And I want you to show how how God starts talking to me about this, this one issue that I want to talk to Him about. So if you look in, open your Bibles to John 21, we're going to go through some real quick verses. John 21, we're going to start in verse 4. And I want to show you how we talked about this wooing, right? And what is wooing? It's when God or something... Attracts us and draws it to us. So this is what Jesus is doing. This is what God's doing in my heart through Scripture. He's wooing me. He's bringing me to this point so we can have a conversation about this subject that's going on in my heart. So in verse four it says this. Now, leading up to this, Peter has decided he's just going to go fishing, and he's going to take some of the disciples. Decide they're going to go fishing with him, and so they go out and they're going fishing, and it's out in the evening and night, and uh, they're in this boat. And they're not catching anything. And so, in verse four, this is where we pick up. It says, "Just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the the disciples did not know it was Jesus." Jesus said to them, "And if you have something to write with, circle this word, children. This is the this is the first thing that I pick up. It touches my heart that He's calling the disciples children because this." This is what I want him to call me. You're mine. You're my child. So this touches me. And what it does is it makes me want to read more. I want to find out why is he calling my child? What's he going to do? So he says, child, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, and this is talking about John, therefore said to Peter, is this the Lord? And what's that little thing at the end of it? An exclamation point. Is this the Lord? Is like, he's man, is that is that Jesus? When Simon Peter heard this, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord... He put on his outer garment, for he was stripped down. And I want you to circle this whole set of sentences right here. It says, he threw himself in the sea. This is the second thing that touched me. I mean, Peter's reaction was like, okay, let's get the boats in, let's get the fish in, let's go see Jesus, right? It wasn't. He said, he just jumped in, man. It's like, I am not waiting. I want to go see Jesus. And I love this, man. Verse 8 says, The other disciples came in the boat, dragging a net full of fish, for they were out far from land, but about a hundred yards off. Verse 9, When they got out on, on land, they saw a charcoal fire with fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said, Jesus said to them, and I want you to underline this again. This is another part that just touched my heart. He said, come and have breakfast. And I want you to know why this is special to me. So my mom... She had to work two or three jobs, and so she just wasn't home. Um, she did her best to keep us in a home. She did best to give us water and electricity, but there's a lot of times we just didn't have food. We would have to go to shelters. We'd have to go to food banks like we have here in Azel and every week we'd have to come and people would give us food. And I tell you how thankful it was we had food. There would be people that would be from different churches that would drink, cook food for us and bring it, but we hardly ever went to a grocery store. We couldn't afford food. And so as I grew up, there was something great, an appreciation of, of the hospitality that people given me. And I wanted to share it with people. For today, I, as a kid, I had to learn to cook, to take care of my sisters, to feed us, while my mom was working. And it was something that I hated at that point. But it grew to be something I love because now I love cooking. Anybody that knows me, I love making a meal. I like Going shopping. I like picking out all the food. I like chopping and preparing it. I like cooking it and grilling it. And I love serving it on special dishes for people. And it's my way of expressing my love. So when I see in Scripture that here's Jesus making Him breakfast, man, that that just draws me in more. So it makes me want to read more, want to know more about Jesus. So it says, Come and have breakfast. Now one of the disciples. Not now none of the disciples dared ask him who you are. They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus had revealed to the disciples revealed himself to the disciples after he had risen from the dead. Now this little short next few pieces of scripture and we're almost done. I'm going to tell you from my perspective. I'm telling you my story and how Scripture is touching me. There's a huge amount of things packed in these verses. And I'm going to just show you as I'm reading this what God is saying to me and what He's trying to let me understand about Him and what's going on with my heart. So in verse, in verse 15, we're going to start. It says, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Do you love me more than these? And he's talking about the disciples around him. And then Peter replied, He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, Do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love, love you. And he said to him, Tend to my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said this a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And in this moment, this is where God's speaking to me. I want to know, do I, do I, do I really love you? If I say you love me, and Scripture over here says that I'm supposed to obey And if I'm not obeying, does that mean I, I don't love you? And so in this moment, this is where God comes and He starts talking to me. He says, ask His Keith, do you, know you, do you know that I love you? I'm like, oh, I, I absolutely know you love me. And He goes, I want you to know something. I know you love me. But the problem is, is that you doubt you love me. And I think this is where, at this moment, I told you there was a part where Peter ran into the tomb looking for Jesus, right? And then there's a moment where Peter just jumps off the boat to go see Jesus it's an indication of how he felt about God. And this is what what God would come tell me. He goes, no, you remember, you know, when you, you're you so worried about this sin. And the reason you do this with Keith is because you've already got forgiveness. We've already made these things right. But you know what I do, guys? Is I go. There's a Scripture in Micah that says, you know, He cast our sin into the sea. What I do is because I have these, these past issues in my heart about how God really feels my I dive back into the sea and I start searching for this huge chain that has this sin on it that I feel like is I can't get rid of that I keep going back to and I identify myself with that and I put that back on and what he's trying to tell me he says, No And I'm like, No, no, no. You need to let me wear this. This is this is who I am. He's like, No, you're you're my child. I you, Things are right with us. You've come to me. You're you're running back to me. You're coming to me. That's an indicator of your heart. But I have this old thing about, no, 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 you need to you need to beat this out of me. If you beat this out of me, then we're good. And he's like, "No. My son took all that beating for you. I'm not beating you." That doesn't that only reinforces these bad things that you've experienced in life. I'm not going to do that. And so we have this moment where in my heart, I'm wanting to know that I love Him. He's like, I know you love me. And He starts taking me back. He goes, when you, when you did this, when you did that, when you did that, what did you do? Well, I'm, I was coming back to you. And how fast were you coming back to Him? Because it used to be, it would take me a long time to come back to Him because I had a lot of shame and a lot of um, fear that how He felt about me. But the more I grew to know Him from Scripture and who He really was and how He felt about me, man, it's like, I'm his kid, I can I can run back. Do you know that God's love doesn't change? He knew you at your worst, he loved you, he gave you the maximum amount of love there. It isn't just diminish as you get to know him as you start sinning again. It doesn't it doesn't diminish. You have all of God's love from the very beginning, and that's what he's trying to show me. As you read scripture. Sometimes you're going to have times where it's just like you don't get it. And I'm saying be persistent. And this is what God started talking to me about. He says, Hey, I want you to go back and reread all this again. Just what I, well, you got through reading. So I read through it. And he said, Peter, do you love me? And he says, Yes, feed my sheep. And in that moment, he stopped and he goes, Don't quit. And he says, Keep reading. And I read it next line. He says, Hey, Peter, do you love me? And he goes, Yes, Lord, you know I do. Just tend my sheep. And he tells me, don't quit. And we do the next line, right? Peter, do you love me? And he comes back, but you know everything, God. You know that I love you. He tells me again, don't quit. At the end of this, he goes there and he tells Peter, "Um, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but now... But when you are old, I will, stretch your out, I will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And he's telling, people about, telling Peter about the end of his life. And in that section, you know, there's things that I know. God's talked to me about the end of my life and what he, He's going to do in those things. And He reminds me, hey, He's got a plan for me. And then he finishes this out and he says, and he said, uh, the very last section of that, he says, uh, he said... This he said to show by what kind of debt he was to to glorify God. And after saying this to him, he said this one line, Follow me. And you know this is the first thing when he met Peter, what he did. He said, Follow me. He's back to the same thing. This is what he asks us to do. When you're in Scripture and you're like in this dead's place and you don't understand it, you can pray it, ask for wisdom. Hey, be with me. You know, he gives us a promise. And Jeremiah talks about, hey, you know, if you seek me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart. And he's saying, hey, if you'll come and press into me, I'll be there. But you know what? So what is the difference in these two Bibles here, guys? Is one more special than the other? Well, I would say this has a little bit more special because something written, but really, this one's more special to me. And really, all this is, the difference in these Bibles is work. I took time. I spent time in it. This isn't just a few hours or this is years of me going in there. And I didn't do it every day. I didn't. I had times where it was weeks. You ask any of your, your parents, anybody that you know as adult, it's not every day. You're going to have days where you're like, I don't, I don't want to be in God's word. But if you'll persistently go in there, it's life changing, guys. It's life changing. In a minute, I'm to I want to finish this by just giving you a little bit of. Uh, uh, a passage from a book, my favorite books, and then I'm going to pray over us and then we'll end the service and they're going to show the video again, okay? So this passage I, I really love. It's by one of my favorite uh, authors. It's a little small book which I love. If, you, if anybody knows me, that I like thin books because I can't ever get through a thick book. Um, but this is what she wrote and I love it. I think it really encapsulates everything I've been trying to sh- share with you in a very simple thing. I know I've packed a lot into this, but I think this one little section of uh, this book will explain everything. It says, While we are here on earth, till we breathe our last, we will never run out of opportunities to pour into the lives of others. In fact, pouring out into others is the reason we are here on the earth for the first, in the first place. If we if we are believers pouring out is our job so my job involves holding out my heart in the hands so my job involves holding my heart in my hands before God and making sure it is never empty that it is filled with God's thoughts God's ideals his commandments and his promises before I set out into the grand adventure of each and every day. I found that jet lag actually helps in this regard. I seem to be constantly awake while others sleep, and I used to toss and turn at such times and fret that I must sleep or I would be useless in the morning. But now I've learned to use these late night hours for being filled with God, knowing I will still be given the gift of strength when I need it. I use the time to fix my heart on the compass of God's will for me and in the coming days of ministry. He and I talk about my phobias and fears, my insecurities, my inadequacies, and the incredible privilege of being in a strange place that needs Christ. Those sleepless hours have become an unexpected gift. That doesn't mean I'm not tired. So often I find myself whispering, I'm low, Lord. I'm all poured out. But in my darkness, He comes to me and pours in. I don't necessarily feel it at that moment, but I certainly experience it the next day when I begin to collect all the empty vessels around me and start pouring. The Lord never disappoints me. Father, I just thank You so much. I thank you that you sent your son for us to be a savior. I'm glad that he was obedient to you. I'm glad he was a perfect reflection of you. I thank you so much for scripture in your heart. I'm so thankful when I thought I was alone in the desert I wasn't I'm glad that you never stopped pursuing us I'm glad that your heart is reckless I pray that you would just nourish our heart that you would Help it to become fertile, Lord, that Your Scripture would just be seeds that stay in our heart and grow. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.